This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Welcome to the very first episode of the revamped Always Cheating Podcast. My name is Brandon, and I'm here with my co-host, Josh. Hello. Happy to be here. Uh, Josh, we are members of the wildly successful Always Cheating Fantasy (laughs) Premier League. I'm sure everyone out there has uh, heard of us, mainly because they're probably people who are in our Always Cheating Mini League. (laughs) Uh Uh Uh, How long have we been playing this game for? Uh, Four years, if you can believe it. I can't believe it. Um, uh, so it's and, weathered uh, several marriages. <laughs> well, two <laughs> not, not our own, just one. Two. Yeah, two, yeah, one for each of us. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and you always say the one off year you had in the always cheating fantasy league was the year where you were planning your wedding. Now, I do believe that that is just an excuse that you put down on paper. It was a mix of that and arrogance. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, like uh, to. To mention arrogance, you've won our mini league twice out of the four years, mm-hmm. um, so that's a fifty percent win ratio for you. It's it's not bad. Uh, so I have uh, let's see two of the four years. I have two first place finishes, a second, and a three hundred and seventy ninth. I think is roughly uh, where that third one goes. Uh, now, if people are going to be listening to our recommendations, it's all well and good to say you won a little mini league. But where does where do those results actually put you in the total FPL game? Like what what right. place did you finish in last season? <laughs> so uh, I, I finished fifteen hundredth, fifteen thirty to be exact. Uh, so fifteen thirty out of three point something million is a. Uh, pretty good uh i my goal i'm not doing get... the math uh, right now but i'm guessing that's something in the 99th percentile yeah much 99.99 something i think <laughs> sure uh but uh my goal was to get in the top 1000 didn't quite do it uh there's i think there's a reason for that uh which is that i was i was actually chasing somebody who was doing even better most of the year um and i had to make some kind of risky slash insane moves uh the last 10 or and you had a point to prove because you were chasing a rookie in our league who was his first year and this is this is kind of a trope i think in fantasy sports all 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 sports basically is the beginner's luck and people love to root for the underdog um but if say leicester city was going to win the league last year i don't think that would really sit right with anybody so you really wanted to prove a point to this guy ben i think I, I, yeah, well, we didn't know he was like a fantasy savant when he joined the league, <laughs> uh, that he's, you know, in several different uh, basketball and football, et cetera, fantasy leagues. Yeah. Well, so, well, for yeah, the, we, we, for the we record, bit off more than we could chew when we added him. <laughs> uh, for the record, I have beaten you one out of the four seasons. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was two seasons ago where I had my best finish, where I was in the top 30,000. So okay. we um, but yeah, last year I at least uh, squeezed into the top fifty thousand in the world. Uh, let's see, I wrote the number down forty nine thousand six hundred and forty. Okay, uh, not so bad. again, we're looking at the ninety nine point nine percentile 
if my yeah. math is correct. And I think I Don't so I finished that. 1530 last year, and then two years before that, I was uh, I think I was 2204. So two top 2500 finishes, not not terrible. Uh, could be a little better, but. Uh, you know, not so bad. I don't know where I am in the Fantasy Football Scout Hall of Fame. Uh, pretty low. So listen, we're uh, we're pretty good. Um, we're probably the best Americans uh, who, to ever play fantasy soccer. That's uh, no question. Um, I, that's been established. But we won't be judged ultimately by our point tallies or where we finish in the overall FPL. We will be judged, though, on one major criteria, which is the team name of our fantasy <laughs> team. Uh, now, we take different approaches. Me... I have had one name for the entire four now going on five-season run. I am the BK Broilers because my name is uh, Brandon Kelly, so the initials are BK. (laughs) And if you recall, there is a hit sandwich at Burger King called the Broiler. It's flame broiled. I do recall. So it just sort of fits. And I can't really change my name, my team name, because I have an ongoing rivalry with another guy in our mini-league, Justin and his team name is the In-N-Out Swingers, named after the In-N-Out Hamburger joint in California. So we have an ongoing competition called the Fast Food Cup. So I'm, I'm kind of married to this whole fast food situation. But uh, you, on the you other You don't think hand, there are other fast food options you could take? Like you couldn't just keep moving different ways? I mean, there are a lot of... Well, I would consider if I actually do win our league at some point, maybe I could just change my team name to The King. <laughs> it sticks with the Burger King theme, and it also is a title befitting royalty. Yeah, I I am curious how this year is going to because I you know when I the won, McNuggets doesn't really have a nice ring to it. After I won the second year, I, I used a name that I have been I've been storing away, uh, which was uh, R V P Y T, uh, which is Robin Van Persie, and then P Y T the great Michael Jackson song. Uh, yeah, we got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, last year, I went back to a uh, – and that year was a disaster. So I went back to my roots, uh, which are puns. Uh-huh. And uh, last year, I was Bakary Lasagna. Uh, and uh, this year, I'm going with Magic Micah Richards. Uh, that may change to Room Pig colon Genesis. Uh, although now I'm a little worried about that. Cause See my, okay. Well, I'll, you express your concern. I'll tell you my concern about that team okay. name. My concern with that is that that movie, I think, is already out of the theaters, Terminator Genesis. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm worried that reference is going to be incredibly dated, even by the time the season rolls around in a week and a half. My concern for you also is, though, uh, I believe we heard this nickname Rune Pig maybe on some highly rated podcast. I'm still not sure how um, well-known a Wayne Rooney's nickname Rune Pig <laughs> is, if well-known at all. Because apparently somebody thought he looked like a, po- a pig, and so they created like a portmanteau there. I haven't been able to to see his name in print or see him on a screen without the word room pig. It has replaced <laughs> Rooney in every way. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to tell you this, but I think Rune Pig Genesis is a non-starter. What about That'll Do Rune Pig? A reference to the ending of Babe, Pig in the City? Or is that the original Babe? I think it's the original Babe, not Pig in the City. Maybe it is. I don't know, actually. Uh, I do like that. Um, if I were to have a pun name, I felt like this season I would have gone with Hellman's Mane uh, <laughs> after the uh, Southampton winger, Sadio Mane. Yeah, I think that one's better on the, on the screen. <laughs> you know, I think uh, out loud it takes a second. You know, yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't really sink in right away. <laughs> I think you're focused on the helmet, you know, and I'm trying to remember, like, I'm trying yeah. to, for a famous helmet. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like a, maybe an American general in the Pacific Theater of War. <laughs> it general does. Hellman. Douglas McHellman. <laughs> All right, so uh, our stance on team names, that's been established. Uh, before we get into the meat of this episode, um, let's just quickly share what actual football club in England we support. Because let's be clear, though we're American, um, we're not really big MLS fans, or we just haven't taken the time to know and love the league. We're just big Premier League fans. Uh, if you say so. NYCFC, all the way, baby. Hey, we're going to see NYC play <laughs> DC United in a couple weeks. Yeah, we okay. And I'm I, now after that five three win on Sunday, I'm actually a little more excited about NYCFC. I mean, I do so love NYCB Orlando City FC five three, right? Yeah, I am not a Man City fan. I, I I do feel like it's hard to 
to really give your heart to NYCFC without being a Man City fan because uh, it's sort of a feeder club for yeah. Man City. Sure. Uh, although that said, I mean, is it really a feeder club? Uh, how often are players really going to be graduating from NYCFC? To I think the the bigger problem is less the feeder club nature and more that the money is all intertwined. So say you had personal political beliefs that ran against uh, like Saudi oral barons, <laughs> maybe you'd have an issue. Right. Not that Russian oligarchs that run every other team are completely virtuous, but... Um, well, we're going to get totally sidetracked here. <laughs> so you are not a Man City fan. Right. I'm not a Man City fan. I, I am an Arsenal fan. But at this point, I feel like I'm primarily a fantasy Premier League fan. I mean, if it's if it's week eight and Arsenal is playing, a, a, you know, kind of random, like if they're playing West Brom or something like that, uh, and I don't have any horses in that match, I am much more inclined to watch whatever the, you know, whatever the game that has the highest fantasy implications is. Yeah, yeah. yeah the the fantasy world has definitely replaced it's like every like it's like every non-fantasy person's worst nightmare right i think it's that's that, the like, I, I care more about the fantasy world than i do the yeah. actual but but i think we're in a special position in that the fantasy we're, we are good spokespeople for the fantasy leagues because we didn't grow up in England. We don't have uh, fathers or grandfathers or mothers or grandmothers that grew up rooting for these teams. So we're not, we don't have an emotional stake. Um, whereas there's another guy in our mini league, Jeremy, who is, was born and raised in Liverpool, and he's red or dead. And he was saying his FPL team suffers because he has certain emotional reasons why he couldn't put Eden Hazard in his midfield on his fantasy team. Therefore, <laughs> yeah. his team blew. It is something I, I, I do think about sometimes because there, there is a part of me that that wants to have an Arsenal player a lot of the time. It's just it's just more fun. You yeah. know, it gives me a reason to watch them play. Right. Uh, it typically works. out. I mean, there's there's such an attacking team that you typically do have a player on that team, uh, whether it's one of their wing backs or, um, you know, Olivier Giroud or, you know, one of their like 17 attacking midfielders. Well, for me, this is totally not an issue because the team I started supporting is Fulham Football Club, who have uh, long been relegated to the, not long, but with two seasons ago, were relegated to the championship. So I have no horse in this race. Uh, last season, I tried to adopt Aston Villa. Um, but what has happened to that club over this summer has caused me to just like totally eject from that plan. So is, is there a new team? Are you like are you pulling for uh, Bournemouth or um, Watford? I think maybe I'm going to lean toward Watford. A lot of people, and we'll get to our Watford discussion uh, in a little bit because we're going to give the rundown on all the newly promoted teams. But um, there's a lot of hate out there for the Watford kits, the bright yellow and red. Um, I'm feeling those kits. I'm feeling them in a major <laughs> way. And, yeah. and I love a moose crest. And I don't say that. Um, because uh, I don't say that out of irony. I think mm -hmm. I really do like it. I my, my team is Arsenal. If I had a second team, it would be Swansea. Uh, I, yeah, I actually I have a. To be honest, I like a lot. Speaking of, teams. of good crest, <laughs> like, I, I I'm like I, I I like spread my love you're, around. Yeah, I love, you're I love like a, you're like a kinder, you're like a kindergarten teacher. You just want to see them all do well and have fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They all seem like nice people. I, I like Sunderland. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm all over the place, really. Uh, but I would say Southampton, Arsenal, Sunderland. Uh, I guess those are the three. <laughs> those, oh, and and uh, and Swansea. So four, four to twenty. That's not two. Oh, and Norwich. So that's that's five. So again, we're going to get to those promoted teams, but um, first we wanted to talk about our general rules of thumb. So. If you're just getting into the Fantasy Premier League and you're figuring out, you're trying to figure out what the tips of the trade are, uh, Josh and I, we're going to run down our rule, general rules of thumb as we go through the season. Did you say tips of the trade? Tips of the trade? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, beef tips, sirloin tips. <laughs> Anything, any Hormel product will do. <laughs> So uh, did you did you write anything down, Josh? Did you take notes? Did you prepare for this? Do you want to get us started? I I did. I have so I have my my three my three rules. Uh, the uh, best actually, rules always come in three. That's right, and I, I actually probably have closer to like forty rules, but these are the three that I've decided to uh, 
to share here. Uh, three, three key rules, I think. And so uh, do you have three as well? Uh, weirdly enough, I do have exactly three. <laughs> so maybe we can go back and forth. I'll do one. You can do one. <laughs> yeah, okay, that works. So here is my, uh, my first rule. It's actually born out of, uh, out of the disaster from two seasons ago. And I will say I, I was getting married. It was, uh, it was a pretty big commitment. I got married uh, last year. I still finish in fourth place. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so, uh, but uh, two years ago, I was I had won the league uh, the year before. I kind of won it running away, and um, I, I I was just a little too cocky, and I wanted to win it my way the following year. Way too just arrogant. So you're arrogant. Like, yeah, you're like the classic uh, chef on Top Chef who wins the immunity challenge and then just makes a really crummy dessert. Uh, sorry for the crumb pun there, but that's exactly <laughs> so, what you're like. So, la- so two years ago, uh, last year was a bit different, but two years ago, uh, it was a, it was a real bandwagon season and you needed to have three players. You needed to have, uh, Yaya Torre, Luis Suarez and, uh, Aaron Ramsey. And, uh, you just needed to have them the entire season, basically, uh, start to finish. Uh, I guess Ramsey got injured, uh, late in the second half of the season but but i feel like even when he came back from injury he was he was just back to his old self yeah and if you didn't have those guys you really couldn't win uh, especially uh, luis suarez uh and that was the season i think he had started the season with like a nine game suspension or seven game suspension uh for biting ivanovich the year before uh or was it the racist issue I think that was the year before. <laughs> I think the Ivanovich one was the one that happened late in the season, the season before that. Yeah, uh, quite the track so, record. So anyway, he comes out like gangbusters, and uh, and then yeah, yeah, Torrey scoring, and Aaron Ramsey was started really cheap that year. I think he might have been five point five million or maybe six point five. Right. Uh, and I think it was six point. Because prior to that, he you know it would be a crapshoot whether that guy would even get into the game. Right, exactly. and if he did, it'd usually be in the seventy-fifth minute. He'd sky a few shots over the crossbar from twenty yards out. Yeah, there used to be that that joke a few years ago that every time he scored, somebody died. And like in, <laughs> in the previous three seasons, he'd scored like four goals total, and every time he scored, someone famous had passed away. Uh, so uh, there was, you know, that, that's how infrequently he was he was you know in the action. Uh, so those guys started doing really well, and. You know, maybe around week seven, whatever Suarez came back, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It's not, it's, it's you know, it's not stopping. Uh, they just continue to to get points, attacking points in every game. And uh, I'm like, well, it's too late now. Like their value has risen too high. Uh, everyone has them. I need a differential. I can't, I can't pick these guys up. You know, I'm just right. gonna have to wait it out right. and hope they hope they stop scoring. And you get, at that point get trapped in the cage of your own logic. Yeah, you do, and. You know, you forget that the season is incredibly long. I mean, it basically takes up the entire you know, the entire year. So if it's week 10, week 15, week 20, week 25, you still have a, you know, a full season left. If you're doing, you know, NFL fantasy, you know, week, week, you know, 14 weeks is the whole season. Yeah. So, so my, my first rule is don't decide it's too late to jump on a bandwagon. <laughs> uh, sometimes you just, you just have to get on board even though other people have that player, you just you gotta just ride that ship like everybody else and try to try to get your differential points elsewhere. Well, we're gonna have to move on to the next one because uh, my second bullet on my list here was jump on bandwagons because <laughs> I am guilty of this like everyone else, and even more recently, last season Harry Kane was a true bandwagon, and um, I just. I just couldn't believe a. I couldn't believe that he kept his run going, and I didn't just. I just didn't buy it. And then it was that Chelsea game where he scored. Um, was did he score a hat trick and get two assists, or was it two goals and yeah, three assists? Yeah, I, I think it was a hat trick and two assists. The New Year's Day game. It was just like a total bu- bucket load of points. And at that point, I realized, oh well, you just have to have this guy. And by that point, I lost the bargain that he was at 5.0 or 5.5, whatever it was. And also, at that point, everyone jumped on that bandwagon. So it's um, a little bit a little bit different than the previous season where everyone was already on the bandwagon before, Josh, you decided to get on board and decided <laughs> it was too late. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I can... Uh, 
you're going to count more times that the not getting on the bandwagon bites you than you are going to count times that it turns out you were right to not get on it. So, yeah. So percentages would show just jump on the bandwagon. Say it doesn't work out, <laughs> just make a transfer. All right. So our first, uh, yeah. So the first point so for both agreement? of us is, yeah, follow, um, follow the pack. Okay. It's a very, it's a very bold first bullet for both of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, I'm gonna go with my next rule of thumb, which is uh, a very positive rule. Everyone plays, and this rule is pretty self-explanatory. If, if at all possible, everyone on your 15-man squad should be playing. Um, if possible, every every man on your 15-man squad should be starting. Now that gets a little um, dicey when you're trying to fill like the 15th position and you've got 4.0 million pounds left to spend on your last defender. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing worse than knowing you're going to have to bring somebody off the bench and all the people on your bench aren't starters or aren't playing. Even if you've got a bench guy that uh, plays as, on the defense never has a chance of scoring a goal or say you've got a uh, defensive midfielder who probably has less chance of getting points than somebody Mm -hmm. in the defense Uh um there's just that psychological thing if you know that bench player is coming on you could at least stand to get one point as opposed to zero points yeah so it's just good strategy and it's also uh just a positive philosophy for for every weekend yeah last year was a little strange actually it didn't it didn't come to the fore as much as I had in years past. I felt like, um, yeah, it's typically around Christmas time when everything just gets a little crazy, you know? Um, it's kind of, uh, you know, players being benched, they're not starting, you know, you got to go deep to your bench, and often you, you have players who, you know, can't even feel the full 11 because so many people are getting rested. And um, that didn't happen last year, I think probably because uh, I think Mourinho basically played all of his top players uh, in all of the important games, uh, or you know, or all of the uh, all the Christmas fixtures, all, all, you know, I think um, Hazard, Terry, Ivanovic, uh, possibly Fabregas, they all played. Um, yeah, you know, and four games in eleven days or whatever it was. I was playing with fire with that squad too because I had Cesar Aspilicueta in my defense for the longest time, and he was um, always on the chopping block for the starting lineup. And I think I rode him through Christmas, and it did end up panning out. And then, but then the, the latter half of the season, he was touch and go. Yeah, actually, this this goes right right into my second point, which is kind of a it's 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 a different spin on yours uh which is that uh don't pick up a defender if they aren't guaranteed to start uh this is the you know i actually i was thinking specifically of aspoquata when i thought about this because um although i knew you also had bakari sanya for a while last year and i that think is you, you this is the, like the second or third time you've said that and that is not <laughs> true you're confusing him with gail clichy <laughs> okay all right gail clichy whatever i think they're both five million <laughs> Uh, so it's very tempting uh, with a team like Arsenal or um, or Man U or, or Man City to uh, or, or Chelsea for that matter to pick up one of these defenders that doesn't cost seven million or isn't you know six million plus uh, and just hope that it works out for out in your favor and I think some people can do it uh, if you've got enough balance in your bench I think you can get away with it but I have. It's too much anxiety for me. I, you know, it's like I can't sleep on a Friday night if I know that <laughs> the next morning, uh, you know, the team sheet's going to come out and my player may or may not be, uh, you know, starting that game. It's just I can't handle the the pressure. Uh, but I also think it's 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 crucial. I mean, you know, so I mentioned, um, you know, being in a really tight head-to-head matchup last year. And um, so I finished 15th, 30th. Uh, the... Ben, uh, the guy that we were competing with, uh, also finished in the top 2,000. And um, I think in the end I won by just 10 points. So, I mean, that's that's two starts right there. You know, two two starts and two clean sheets from a defender. If you could uh, take that week back where you started Mangala uh, in the Man City defense, you, you, you'd do it in a heartbeat. I know you would. <laughs> yeah, I had Mangala for, I think, three weeks, and I got, like, zero, negative one, and zero or something like that. Uh, so... I just think that if you're going to, I, it's you're better off having a one of those five million Stoke City defenders, uh, or you know just having like you know you pick the one, the one defender, your one expensive defender, and then the rest need to be sort of spread out. You know, lots of five million guys, yeah. or you know, yeah. or if you can, if you can find a, you know, last year near the end of the season, uh, Leicester went on this run, you know, where they were racking up clean sheets and they were just 
just full. They were they were lousy with four and four point five million defenders. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll touch on this as we go through the season, but uh, strategies with defense is probably one of the more complex things in the in the game, and also one of the hardest transfers to get yourself to actually make. Because, well, I mean, the only thing le- less sexy than a defensive transfer is a goalkeeper transfer. Yeah, and but- I think that's that's specifically why I said don't pick up a defender if they're not going to start. Because it's it's pretty, you know, attacking mid, you know, forwards attacking midfielders. I feel like those are getting rotated in and out. You know, yeah, and like, if you can have a rotation, if one of your big time defenders uh, ends up getting a one game suspension or he tweaks his hamstring or something like that, then you can at least ride that injury out for one or two weeks without having to totally rebuild your back line i ended up stuck with chris baird for like the last 12 weeks of the season former fulham player uh because there was was, there was just i could never i was i was the the matchup i was in against against ben was so tight that i just couldn't ever waste to transfer uh so he just sat there collecting because he kept coming in at the 89th minute he was like the human victory cigar so i just i could (laughs) never uh what does that mean a human victory cigar it's it's a term you hear it more often in basketball. It's like a player comes in when the game is totally when it's a blowout, you know, like when it's totally out of hand. Uh, they bring him in because nothing they can do will change the game, right? The game is over one way or the other once this guy enters uh-huh, the uh-huh. Enters, you know, the proverbial. The uh, who was who was that um, the a walk-on guy who played for the Michigan State basketball team, which the super senior guy. Whenever they'd put him in, you knew the game was over. Oh yeah, well, there, yeah. There's always there's always one. <laughs> They're always like some five five, you know, floppy haired guy. Okay, so my last tip is um, always play the double game week um, because if you don't play, you're gonna miss out on a lot of points. There was one major double game week last season that everyone played and nobody got any points. It was from it. It was like the least sexy game week of all time. Yeah. And then uh, there was another double game week um, that you ended up playing pretty hard that featured QPR and Aston Villa, two very unsexy FPL teams. <laughs> yeah. And that ended up winning you our mini league, effectively. Yeah, Charlie Austin and Benteke. So um, to burn points, uh, burn burning points for a conservative player like 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 me, and our our styles of play will certainly become more. Um, prevalent as the season goes on, but I'm generally a conservative player, which is something I'm working on, something I've tried to talk through. Uh, (laughs) Burning points on transfers week to week is very difficult for me, but what you stand to gain from a double game week, totally worth it, so you've got to always consider how you're going to play that. Yeah, I I agreed. Uh, My final one is, um, this one's a little more complicated, I guess, but it's, uh, it's don't take a punt on a player without an exit plan. So if you, so if you decide, oh, do tell, professor. So if you decide that uh, you know it's it's week, whatever doesn't doesn't matter what time of the year it is, and you are going to bring in a risky player, you know, somebody who isn't guaranteed to start, but if they start, they could um, they could bring explosive returns, you know, like a, a Theo Walcott, you know, like actually a Theo Walcott. Uh, right uh, right now is a perfect example of this because he's um, he's priced at nine million uh, for the FPL this season. Uh, he has been scoring a lot in the preseason, uh, but there's no guarantee that he's going to start these games. Also, I mean, his legs are likely to fall off at any moment. <laughs> but I mean, there, there's not a natural fit for him in that lineup unless he's starting at at, at the forward spot instead of uh, Giroud. Uh, I mean, you can play him on the wings, but uh, there are other players who are probably a better fit there. Uh, and when Alexis Sanchez comes back probably two weeks into the season, uh, he's going to be in even more trouble. So if you bring in a Theo Walcott or any sort of attacking player, uh, you've got to know what your move is once they're not starting. Like You've got to have a plan in mind for, for who costs about the same that you can move to right off the bat. And so this is a big thing for me is if I, if I'm, if I'm taking kind of a risky pick, I know immediately what I'm going to do if that pick doesn't pan out. And, and, you know, I usually give it one or one or two weeks, depending. And to take that Walcott Sanchez example, I think Wal I think Sanchez is priced at 11 million. So if you say you wanted to do an outright swap with Walcott and Sanchez, you also have to know where in your team you've got an extra 2 million 
laying around. So maybe it's a, a two-week exactly. plan, a two-week exactly. exit it, plan. It's not often one move. It's often two moves. I mean, this is something that that you really have to plan for at the beginning of this season because uh, Sergio Aguero and Alexis Sanchez probably are going to start the first two weeks. Uh, those are players that it's going to be hard not to have, you know, starting in week three or four or whatever. Uh, so you've just got to be, you've got to know what your moves are going to be. You know, don't back yourself into a corner. Okay, so now the season is, uh, as we're recording this, uh, like, like nine, ten days away. We're all setting our, our squads for the very first game week uh, kickoff, August 7th. Um, is that right? August 7th? August 8th? Eighth, uh, I think. Yeah, August eighth. Yep. So, um, to the the hardest part always of start, of setting your first team of the season is you're introduced to three brand new teams, the promoted teams, and you've heard of maybe one or two guys on each of these teams. Where do you start? Because these are teams with um, the cheapest price players that are going to help fill out your bench, um, be that fourth position in your defense or the fifth position in the midfield. Um, or even is going to be your surprise wild card uh, up in your uh, striking tr- trio. I don't know. Um, so we, Josh and I, figured it'd be worthwhile just quickly running through the three promoted teams and pointing out the most worthwhile assets. So what? How did we break this down, Josh? Uh, so I took a look at the, the managers and the strikers, and you're looking at the midfielders and the defenders. Yeah, so, okay, so I figured um, the best way to do the rundown is let's start with Watford because Watford won the championship um, last season. They're the top dogs coming in. Yeah, actually, Bournemouth won the championship last season. They they nipped him by a point the last last game. Oh, right, because Watford um, blew their last game. I think they just, I, I think they actually won, but they conceded a late goal, and it right. was like on goal difference or something, but... So we're going to start with Bournemouth. Okay, so that's going to be the easiest team name for me to say through the whole season. Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with them. They won the championship last season. Uh, who's their coach? Okay, so I, and I think I think Bournemouth. I think it's I think you say myth like 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 M I M Y T H. I guess. However you want to say it is fine with yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, born born something. Uh, their manager is actually he's a pretty interesting guy, uh, Eddie Howe. Uh, he's a former uh, player uh, for Bournemouth, uh, longtime manager. Despite the fact that he's only thirty-seven years old, uh, he became a manager in his very early thirties, uh, and has actually managed them through three promotions. Uh, he left for one season uh, to become the um, uh, manager for um, uh, what is it? The team that just got relegated last year, um, Sean. Um, it's the uh, Burnley. Yeah, thank you, Burnley. Sorry, uh, you said so, Sean. I said Burnley. That's how good. <laughs> that's how good I am. That's right. Uh, so he uh, so he left for one year and then he came back and he um, has taken them out of League Two into League One, into, from League One into the Championship, and now from the Championship into uh, he's like he's league. like Gene Hackman. It's incredible. It really is. Uh, and so thirty-seven. Uh, you know, obviously much love there. It's actually it's Bournemouth's first time in the first division. Ever in the hundred in their hundred plus year history, I was totally uh, getting behind the uh, the cheers, the hype cheers as Burnmouth was rising up the ranks, uh, up the cherries because their mm-hmm. mascot is uh, they're they're actually based in Traverse City, Michigan. So up <laughs> the cherries, uh, I totally love that. Up the cherries, yeah. They uh, they scored. They're they're actually a little bit like Leicester uh, last season. Um, they scored the because mar- I think the team's gonna be pretty similar too, which which is what happened with Leicester last year. Uh, they scored uh, the most goals in the championship last year, and they conceded the second fewest goals. Uh, so they're they're pretty all around sound team. Um, in terms of their forwards, uh, it's hard to. I mean, you know, so they have they have two guys who are who are interesting. Uh, one is Callum Wilson, uh, who scored uh, twenty goals in forty five games last year. He's He's at five point five million. Uh, I I don't know what to think about him yet. I, I'm sort of I I think the, all of the forwards at Bournemouth are really wait and see. Um, the other guy is Jan uh, Kermikant, uh, who scored uh, fifteen goals in thirty eight. I probably butchered that name. Uh, and he's available. Uh, I'm at fi- sure, it's fine. He's available at five million. Uh, one thing I would I, uh, one, I would, wait, one thing. I would wait and see on both these forwards. Okay. 
I wish we had noted uh, which of these guys have full uh, full sleeve arm tattoos um, because that also is how I inform my decisions. You didn't happen to note that, did you? <laughs> I didn't. Uh, the one player you may you may have this in your notes, so forgive me. Don't 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 here. step on my my uh, right, Matt right, Ritchie. Don't step on my Matt Ritchie toes. No, I was going to talk about Josh King. Do you have Josh King in your notes? Josh there? King, the new the new boy, uh, the new Norwegian guy. Mm-hmm. He uh, just signed from Blackburn, and uh, he he's listed at five million, and he's listed as a midfielder, but he's probably going to play out of position as a forward. So he may be one person to uh, keep an eye out for. Yeah, that's a that's a great tip. The the OP player say he's a midfielder. He's going to get be getting five points per goal as opposed to four, and uh, that's that is quite a deal at five and he has, uh, just looking at the preseason for Josh King, who's gotten a couple of starts, he's already scored two goals for Bournemouth in the preseason. And like I was saying, the other midfielder uh, who you want to know about is Matt Ritchie, who was one of their talisman last season. <laughs> he uh, scored 11 goals, 13 assists for them. Uh, I feel like every championship team that comes up, they need someone who's a talisman. That, that, that's like <laughs> the only word you can use is talismanic. Yeah. And you and you know you you can recognize a talisman by the fact that he is the most expensively priced player on the team. So he's right. he's actually probably not that viable for your FPL team because he's priced at six which is pretty pricey for a, a newly promoted team. Yeah, that is pretty pricey. But yeah, I like your call are, on Josh King there. What were his stats, uh, Riches? Do you have him there? Uh, last for last season, mm-hmm. yeah, he scored eleven goals and he had thirteen assists last season. Okay, so yeah. pretty, pretty. I mean, those are those are yeah, very know, consistent. Cess, Cess Fabregas type numbers. I mean, obviously, you don't expect him to repeat those in the uh, Premier League. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, and then uh, quickly looking at their defense, the uh, sexiest transfer of the off season, perhaps Sylvan Distan from Everton. At a whopping 37 years old. Like, he's getting up to Brad Friedel levels here. I can't um, <laughs> imagine picking up Sylvan Distin, despite the fact that he's, like, the one player I can name on this team. Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's priced at 4.5. He has started in the central defense uh, at least once in their preseason. He could be the... Um, the Rio Ferdinand of this year, when you remember Rio Ferdinand <laughs> yeah, was traded QPR. to QPR and uh, saw like a full, uh, you know, 180 minutes of play, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, just looking at the defense, it's just looking for guys getting consistent starts who are part of um, either part of last season's successful campaign or um, guys who uh, like. Big players brought in from uh, outside big teams that clearly are being groomed for Premier League starts. So in the defense for Bournemouth, you've got uh, this guy Simon Francis at 4.5 and also uh, Charles Daniels, who starts in the defense. Uh, Those guys look like surefire starts in the defense. But for me, uh, the goalkeepers at Bournemouth, this is the... uh, the most hilarious FPL situation situation because I've got two guys in goal who I recognize from previous FPL seasons. (laughs) You have crazy Arthur Barak who Mm -hmm. we'll all remember from Southampton. And, uh, he is, uh, he was the main goalkeeper for Bournemouth last season and saw them up the table, but it looks like he's, uh, trying to shirk off a shoulder injury and uh, former Reading goalkeeper Adam Federici, you remember him from Reading a couple seasons back? Of course, Reading. The 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 most. I mean, they have to be the least interesting promoted <laughs> team of the last four or five years, right? I mean, that team just came and went. Like it was the most forgettable team yes. outside of. I can't even. I mean, there was like a like an Icelandic guy. That's all I remember. Was it Gunnarsson? Gunnar Gunnarsson? Uh, like maybe. They yeah. also had um, uh, Pavel Pogrebniak, the Russian guy uh, who, right, who right. also played for Fulham, which is why his name sticks with me. But yeah, yeah he was... A lot of alliteratively named players yeah, in that team. A litter of alliterative letdowns, uh, <laughs> for sure. So, yeah, it looks like Federici might be getting the start up. Both of them are priced at 45 Okay. Um, oh, and also in uh, other MLS news, Bournemouth beat uh, the Philadelphia Union four to one in their American tour. So is that right? Yeah. Wow! Wow! <laughs> All right. So is, is the Philadelphia Union supposed to be like the best team in MLS? Um, is I think it's DC United actually. Oh, okay. All right. Fair I enough. mean, interchangeable as far as I'm concerned. 
Okay. Okay, so let's move on to Watford. Uh, okay. Who's managing Watford this season? Josh? Yeah, Go. so the whole Watford thing is kind of crazy. Uh, so Kike Flores is the new Great manager. Great uniforms, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh, they are... Um, he is... Wait, so, say, his, say his name again, because his name is amazing. Uh, Kike Flores, I believe is how you pronounce it. It's Q-U-I-Q-U-E. Uh, he is a uh, longtime manager. Uh, he's managed a lot of Spanish clubs. Uh, he actually won the uh, Europa League in 2010 with uh, Atletico Madrid. Uh, and that was the year that Atletico Madrid beat Fulham in the final. Yeah. Uh, that was the, what's his name, uh, Diego Forlan's uh, big breakout year before mm, the... Beautiful head of hair. Before the World Cup. Uh, so he, um, so he's been at Valencia, Benfica, uh, and Atletico. Um, he is the fifth manager since last August. Uh, they couldn't come to terms with the other manager, so um, Slavisa Djokanovic, uh, and they've signed so the team. It's it's really hard to get. So that's sense a little bit the, of a worry, though. Like not a steady manager um, that that can blow up in teams' faces. It's hard to get, yeah. It's hard to get a good sense of their style of play at the very least. And they've actually signed ten players this summer, uh, so it's just a really tough team to assess. Um, they did score the second highest number of goals in the championship. Uh, and I guess the player to keep an eye out here for here is, and actually, of all the forwards that I'm talking about, this is the one of the promoted teams that I'm the most interested in keeping an eye on, which is Troy Dini. Uh, he is the captain of the team. Which he is not a, a Brazilian player with just one name, Troy Dini. <laughs> Troy Dini, yeah. Uh, Troy Space Dini. <laughs> uh, he scored uh, 21 goals in 42 appearances last year. Uh, he's the captain of the team. He is uh, 5.5 million. And he scored uh, 20 plus goals for Watford three seasons in a row. So uh, there is some consistency there. Uh, you know, whether that translates into results in the Premier League, you know, we'll see. But we've seen it, you know, we saw it last year with um, uh, certainly with Charlie Austin and, um, you know, also with a couple of the players on uh, Leicester. So, yeah. So he's, he's one to keep an eye out for. Not at 5.5 million, the, the problem there is that if you get him, and then you max out your money elsewhere. If he doesn't really deliver results, you kind of got to do some surgery on your team yeah. to get up to eight, nine million, whatever you need to pick up a, a you know more higher price forward. Yeah, and it's tough to have an impotent player up there in your strike force because then you're just stuck playing two guys up front, which is really limiting your scoring. Yeah, yeah, I kind of got caught that way like midway through last season where I had. Um, uh, I had, uh, what's his name? The West Brom, uh, Barahino. And I had him during this stretch where he just stopped scoring. Yeah. Uh, you know, he scored, I think he's ended up scoring almost 20 goals in the season, but he had the stretch of about 10 weeks where he didn't score. And those are the 10 weeks when I had him. Yeah. It was like after and, his, his England call up, he basically thought he was, uh, he was hot shit and then it all fell apart. Yeah. Oh, now we got to put a, uh, a language. <laughs> e e language. for <laughs> uh, So that's that's really all I have to say. So about, sitting about sitting Hoffer. behind Troy Dini, the one guy you want to look out for in the midfield is this guy Gerardo, who okay. um, has an incredible Champions League pedigree behind him. He's started off um, at Real Madrid, and he's also played for Atletico Madrid, and he's just coming from Schalke in the Bundesliga. Interesting. And is it Gerardo? Gerardo, one word. Gerardo, one word. He's, you know, I think he has names, other names on either side of Gerardo, but um, people seem to, in all the press write-ups, just be referring to him as Gerardo. Okay. So, um, yeah, he looks like a guaranteed start, and he, he'll he have the medal, uh, at least on paper, it looks like he has that medal to compete in a Premier League midfield. And always happy to see our friend um, Gomez. Let's see. Uh, what is what is his name from from Tottenham Hotspur? Yeah, who was like yeah. a perennial disaster for them a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, um, ruined their ruined their Champions League campaign. <laughs> yep, but he is uh, he was playing with Watford through all of last season, and uh, he he looks to be starting for them, and he's at uh, the standard four point five price tag. Um, cool. Should we talk about Norwich real quick? Um, this, yeah, that was that was a sad. It, that was a sad. It, look did you have just, the same just, feeling just, as me? Just like this is the same team that was relegated <laughs> two seasons ago. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. Oh, 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 uh, oh! I was, I was thinking about Watford. Uh, the same thing with Norwich, though. Really, uh, yeah. So, the, so Norwich. The most interesting thing about them is probably their their manager, uh, Alex Neal, who is thirty four years old, uh, and 
he uh, is kind of like a shooting star type. He's similar to Alex Ferguson, actually, that he uh, he made his name in the Scottish Premier League and uh, just joined the um, the English Premier League uh, from Hamilton Academical, which is one of the great one of the great names of any of the European clubs. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, he took Hamilton Academical from the second division the first last year, and then at midseason. Uh, moved to Norwich and then guided them into um, into they won the playoff last year. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's not a lot to know about him yet because he has doesn't have a very long track record. He uh, they say he tightened up the defense. Uh, you know, I did see the um, the championship game last year against Middlesbrough and uh, they looked pretty strong. <laughs> okay, I mean so, it's the same. So we before know, we, we, know before we get well. any further, did you see in their preseason results um their game against Hitchintown who plays in the ninth division? Uh I did not. Uh, okay, so they so I'm looking at this right now. Norwich City this preseason in, on July 14th played ninth division Hitchintown. Guess what the score line was? Uh I'm going to guess <laughs> uh 8 nothing. Close ten nothing. Norwich beat poor little old Hitchintown. Mm-hmm. Um, unbelievable. I'm sure they're going to beat believable. Every, actually, yeah, they're going <laughs> to just they're just going to destroy the Premier League based on results like that. Uh, so their strikers. I mean, it's it's all retreads here. Uh, Cameron Jerome, uh, who did score 21 goals last year, and actually he did score in that playoff final. But uh, yeah, some I mean, people might recognize him from his stint at Stoke City. Yeah, from his many flops in the <laughs> Premier League. Uh, Gary Hooper, another major flop. Uh, now also Price sounds like an, the American star of an 80s sitcom. Starring Gary Hooper. It shows you how far Norwich has fallen, too, because Gary Hooper, when he joined the Premier League two years ago, was priced at $7 million, uh, along with Ricky Van Wolfswinkel. Uh, they're both still on the team. It looks like Wolfswinkel is going to head to uh, Sporting Lisbon. Uh, but Hooper we, we is uh, well. <laughs> Hooper's priced at uh, 4.5. Scored 12 goals in 32 games last year. So he's got the it is it, a it kind appears, of pedigree. He it, came from Celtic a okay. few years ago with a strong record. So who knows? It looks like the cheapest uh, lineup of forwards in any team I've ever seen. Uh, you've got two. You've got Cameron, Jerome, and Van Wolfswinkle, who both look like they're on their way, pressed at 5.0. And then the other three guys are 4.5. So there are yeah. bargains to be had here. That's true. Maybe you want to, you know, hang on to Lewis, grab him, who's 4.5. Don't just hang on to him. Grab him and don't <laughs> let go. <laughs> he scored 12 and 33. Uh, so possibly someone to keep an eye out for. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, I, none of these Norwich strikers are getting me uh, getting me excited for the start of the season. Yeah, uh, it's it's the same deal with their defense and their midfield. Just their uh, goalkeepers. Uh, you've got um, you've got Ruddy versus Rudd. John mm-hmm. Ruddy, who um, got I believe he was the guy that just um, was roasted four times by Suarez uh, two seasons ago. Every every time they played, <laughs> Suarez always had Norwich's number. So the 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 better named Declan Rudd is just below. Uh, uh, John Ruddy, but it looks like Ruddy's the starter. He's at 4.5. And then the defense is, they're not even retreads. These are retreads of defenders for Norwich that never even started when Norwich was in the Premier League. So guys starting like um, Stephen Whitaker, who did net in that 10-0 game. So maybe he's on the uptick. And I've uh, had Whitaker on my team before. Sure, yeah, the ultimate, the ultimate bench player. <laughs> Uh, but Sebastian Bassong, uh, I guess he is the one who's – he's like the biggest defender. He's the one yeah. that probably threaten on corner kicks. And then uh, midfield, um, there's, uh, you know, uh, the the famous bevy of very uh, United Kingdom-sounding guys like Wes Houlihan, who is an on-again, off-again starter, but he has scored in the preseason. He's priced at 5.0. He's not a terrible uh, option. But the guy I really like is Nathan Redmond, who is a yeah. very streaky player. Um, but he has scored some rocket goals from well outside. And yes. then um, still, still pretty young too. I think Redmond. Um, I think he's twenty-two or twenty-three. So um, you know, there's there's some potential there. Yeah. Uh, he did score in the championship final too, so I, I might be a little biased. But he was always, you know, I actually had him two years ago for a while too, and I think he wasn't. He hadn't quite put it all together yet, so he's he's someone I'm keeping an eye on this year. Yeah. 
And then there is Yusuf Malumbu, who he plays more of a holding defensive role, but um, like a few others, uh, other defensive mids, he can get up and get into a scoring position for you. So he's at 4.5. That's a possible bargain there. All right. Maybe Malumbu. <laughs> That's just not a bad team name, actually. Maybe Malumbu. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, awesome. So on that Malumbu note, um, should we should we sign off and get back to setting our teams? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so so our, have... is our, our next podcast going to be after week one? So uh, we don't want to reveal too much about our own teams here because we, you and I, are locked in Mortal Kombat for $50. <laughs> That's right, the 50-buck cup. Uh, yeah, do you want to uh, tell people where they can uh, find us if you know if they're so inclined? Yes, absolutely. If you're so inclined, you can find <laughs> us at. I mean, only if you really want to. Uh, <laughs> but we we do uh, pay money for a domain name at alwayscheating.com, and there you can uh, check out ways to join a public league that we're setting up where. There will be nothing at stake, but you can play with your fellow Always Cheating companions. And uh, we also have ways to reach out to us uh, either by email or Twitter, um, Facebook, and all that sort of stuff. Great. And, uh, yeah, and you can actually leave comments on there, too. We're one of the few websites left where comment sections are exist <laughs> alive so, and well yeah excited about that yeah so uh yeah you can find the podcast on alwayscheating.com or it you can subscribe in itunes where you'll uh, just get it automatically that's right cool well um we're looking forward to a long but delicious season josh 38 short weeks brandon or should i call you magic magic micah Magic. I, I I would prefer that. Or just Micah. That's fine, too. <laughs> or just, just Richards. That works. Okay. <laughs> All right, Josh. Talk to you Bye. soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.